0: Net 590. The fans. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: All right, welcome back to the program. Coming up top of the hour, David Poyle. He is the uh, president and general manager of the Nashville Predators. Uh, for now, he'll step down officially on June 30th, Barry Trotz will take over. Uh, Barry is there now working with David Poyle um, in a GM capacity as well. Um, And one of the big deals, uh, one of many we believe Nashville will make between now and Friday, uh, the deal that sent Tanner Jeannot to the tampa bay lightning we'll get the uh, nashville side of things at the top of the hour in the meantime from the tampa bay side of things uh he's brian engblom former NHLer, now lightning tv analyst no stranger to these airwaves at all brian thanks so much for joining me today how are you i'm doing great thanks how are you uh i'm doing good uh the pleasure is uh is is all mine for for having you aboard here and I uh, I got to say, you know, Elliot and I were talking about this yesterday or the day before. I can't recall. They all run together at this time of year. We should have seen this coming when it became obvious that uh, the Tanner Geno was not going to re-sign the long-term deal that Nashville had in front of him. We should have said, this deal has Tampa written all over it. Um, when this deal finally went down, did you sort of give it the uh, – the, uh, the courtesy nod, the putt for par, the, yes, this is a very Tampa Bay, lightning-type move nod?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, that I ever. Um, it's exactly the kind of thing that Julian and the staff have done the last couple of seasons. Um, it makes sense. It yeah. fills the need uh, in a very similar way than uh, that it has the last uh, three or four years. Um, you know, it's not going big superstar. They already have enough of those, and they know how to score. Um, but, you know, some, every team has some things lacking. Um, the, the salary point was definitely right, and I fully expect that you'll see Tanner know, uh, with the Lightning for several years. They don't, they don't do the rental thing as a rule. So I fully expect that uh, he'll be here in Tampa for the next however many years.
1: Yeah, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I've, I've been saying this uh, for a couple of weeks now. That you know, listen, just quite bluntly, uh, Tampa wants this accumul. First of all. It's one of the most highly skilled teams. I don't want to get lost here. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning, like the accent is still on skill, and whether it's Kucherov or Sorelli or Stamkos or Point or Headman, it's I mean it's a murderer's row uh, when you go down it. There's future Hall of Famers in that you know that that uh, that list of names that I just rattled off. But um, just to be blunt, Brian, they like pricks. Like they really like having nasty players that are just awful to play against and miserable and I look at that bottom 6 and I look how Tanner Jenoe is going to fit in and I say to myself, "Ugh, oh, I would hate to play against this team's bottom 6." Your thoughts on what, you know, John Cooper now throws out at the uh, the bottom of the lineup?
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, if you go back several years, to everybody points to the Columbus year when they went out, forced, you know, right away in the first round to Columbus. But even the year that they lost yeah. to Washington, I go back to that one. Washington ran over them by the end of the series. It was close. I know it was a long series, mm-hmm. but when it came right down to it, they were missing some of that stuff. So I go back to that one, and then you add that with the loss to Columbus. Now now you've, you, your focus was wrong. You didn't have quite the right mix of players. And so, yes, they learned a lesson, a real hard lesson, and they went out and got Pat Maroon. That was the biggest, you know, get because yeah. Cook knew him, of course, um, and, but the style of play. Then, of course, the players that they added that we're, we're talking about over the last couple of years, you know, the Colemans and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, the Gords, whatever you know, on on and on down the line. Those are the kind of players that that make the difference when it comes to the playoffs. So, um, no surprise here. Their focus is on defense. And what Coop is upset about right now is, you know, the last few games is that, I mean, he came out and said, you know, pretty emphatically the other day, uh, you know, we got guys who are going to score. So he snapped around. The focus is on defense. Yeah, we can score goals, but the focus has to get back on defense. It's that time of year.
1: Um, Let me swing back on Janot for one second here, Uh, and I'll I'll share with you something that a manager mentioned to me when the deal went down late Sunday. This probably would have been about 10 or or 10.30, maybe even later than that. I I, I can't recall. Um, I asked one manager if his team was in on Janot. And he said, we were interested, but it didn't make sense for us, given what it was going to cost. Like, we knew that Genoa was going to be expensive for somebody. Um, And he said, you know, Tampa can make that move because they can win the Stanley Cup. He said, if we make this move, uh, we're nowhere close to, uh, to, uh, to to winning the Stanley Cup. It doesn't work for us. How much of this, and last year with Brandon Hagel, uh, how much of this, when you look at Julian Brisebois, is him saying, you know what, it may look like it's a lot. And, you know, draft picks one, two, three, four, five plus Cal Foot is a lot. But this is a move that you can make when you legitimately think, and everybody does, that you could win the Stanley Cup that this is about timing and where Tampa's at?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I mean, you know, the window, that's the term we all use, right? Chicago had a window. Uh, L.A. had a window. They've got the window, and they know it. They've got the guys, uh, the skill level. Um, They've already won. The window has been open. He's keeping it open. So that's the term that we use. There's no doubt. As far as the cost of it, Um, I I love Cal Foote. I think he's a really intelligent player, but I think it already proved itself out. Um, And here on the draft pick side, he was a first-round pick. He's a fifth-year pro, and he still has not been a regular. So you can say what you want about draft picks. Not every one, turns out. We know that. So if you look at the third, fourth, and fifth-round picks that they came out do you think that they, the light and Julian Briesbach and the management were just winging this stuff? They know the exact odds. Julian alluded to something the other day. He said, even the bottom of the first round of players chosen, uh, the odds of them, any of those players, playing 200 games in the league is like 8 or 9%. Like it's a really small number. So, By the time you get to the third, fourth, and fifth round, and do you think they didn't do their homework as far as what they think the depth of this year's draft is going to be, like, say, after the first two rounds? Of course they did. The Lightning were one of the early teams to go heavily into analytics. They've been doing it a long time. So they have numbers. They're not just winging this by the seat of their pants. They're using all the numbers and everything else. Um, along with you know the the eyeball test, so um, mm-hmm. I think their track record pretty much speaks for itself. And so I know everybody's looking at it, going, "Wow, what you know, what a load of draft picks." And that's true. Been mixed together with the window being open and keeping it open, all that stuff. Like I I certainly have
1: yeah. no mm-hmm.
0: problem with it at all, Jeff.
1: You know, we uh, we look at the Toronto Maple Leafs' most recent deal, mm-hmm. uh, Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe, and even though. You know, I I don't think it was a necessarily direct um, a trade that was directed um, because of what Tampa did with Tanner Jigmeau. Because I just don't think that the timelines meet up. Uh, it's very much a trade that you look at and you say, okay, Toronto was loading up because they know they have to play Tampa in the first round. Is Tampa thinking about Toronto at all in the first round with any of these deals, or are they thinking? We're expecting a long playoff run. We're not loading up just to beat one team.
0: This is about a cup run, yeah. And the way the NHL is now, and yeah, the only matchup, maybe the only matchup we know, like 99% or whatever, is going to be Toronto. That's the only one. It's going to be Toronto and the Lightning, barring some kind of crazy collapse, which nobody sees coming. So it's unusual to know your opponent that far ahead. So are they planning for, for that? Yeah, I'm sure the coaches in the back of their mind are already thinking about it. But if you're making deals like this, it has to be for the immediate future because the window is open. But also the long term future, as I said earlier, and Julian Breswa is, is the one that said it. We don't like rentals as a rule. We don't do that. They've had guys for a short term, like a Coleman. You know, they had him a short term, but he just he was so good and he won a cup and he became a free agent and they couldn't keep him. that's different so you know they're they're getting ready for yeah he's not completely you know saying oh screw next year and the year after and five years after that but you know it's trying to balance all of that and they are definitely gearing up for which will be one of the great you know runs how many teams have won four in a row, right? You go back to the Canadians team uh, and, then, uh, and the Islanders and what it, what it took yeah. and the players that, you know, those teams brought in uh, way back in the day. When you go for your fourth time, and I know they didn't win last year, sorry, so I mean finals four times. Um, this yeah. is going to be so much more about will than skill and systems because if you look at our Montreal team, um, that won the Stanley Cup for the fourth year. Who won the Conn Smythe yep. Trophy? Do you, do you yep. remember? I do. Was it Dryden? It no. wasn't. Nope. It wasn't Dryden. It wasn't Lafleur. It wasn't Robinson. It was Bob Gainey. So when you get uh, yeah. to the fourth cup, uh, this is about will, not skill. I think Bob had 16 points total in the playoffs that year, and he won the Conn Smythe Trophy because he was one of those guys that was like, refused to lose. Absolutely refuse to lose. Because even back then, as good as the team was, and maybe the league wasn't as balanced as it is now, this is you're going to have that adversity. And is this team, the core, going to say, it's, it's too tiresome. I'm, I'm tired. We're doing this again. When you get to the fourth one in a row, you need the Bob Gaines, you need the guys, and you need fresh blood, for sure. But those are the guys that are going to be key for the Lightning this year. It's the Bob Gainey kind of guys that are going to will this team into the finals again. End of story, because it's so tough. And look at the first round all around the league, not just with the Lightning, you're going to play Toronto, but everybody. The favorite teams, I've been saying this for over 30 years, the, the, the favorite teams, the pressure is the first two rounds, not the last two. By the time you get to the conference finals, the engine's starting to smooth out, and you get to the finals, and it's almost a sigh of relief for a team that's favored. The pressure is the first two rounds, and in today's game, it's greater than ever. It is freaking awesome. I am looking forward to this first round, and I wouldn't have cared who we played, played, but Toronto just adds so much extra pop. It's awesome.
1: Well, you know, there's careers on the line. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I look at last year's Edmonton-Calgary series, and, you know, there, there was a sense that, you know, after a while, Edmonton kind of we're, were getting this feeling that if we do this, like, if we can really, like, continue this and smother the flames, like, we can break this team. And you see what's happened this season with the Calgary Flames. If Tampa does this in the opening round, like I don't, I'm sure it's not lost on any of those players or the entire organization what the repercussions will be in Toronto if there's once again a first-round exit.
0: Yeah, Toronto is Toronto. That's for sure. And there's all that kind of pressure. <laughs> um, and I, I heard yeah. Dave Anderchuk being in, interviewed earlier this morning. And he said, I remember game sevens in Toronto. He said, I lived it. And I remember what it was like even oh, yeah. back then. Yeah, it's a unique thing. I mean, it was like that for us, you know, in Montreal back in the day. So you have to live with that sure. pressure. My, my favorite line about, you know, the playoffs in general is, has always been, mm. you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because the playoffs are uncomfortable. It's, it's no fun. Mm until you win the series. Then you've got about 15 minutes to roll around in it, and then you get ready for the next series. Well, it's the same thing game to game. I've said this to players as an announcer over the last couple of years. You go, you win that game, and sometimes teams – Good teams, especially, and experienced guys will be like, okay, we won that game, but, but you know, calm down here. Calm down. Let, let's not get too far ahead. I'm like, whoa, guys, there, there's a happy medium there. It is so hard to win a game one or a game two. Give yourself two hours and say, that was damn good. That was great. We won a game. Enjoy it. Then put it away because otherwise the pile gets too heavy you're carrying around this thing with you and it's like okay w- one game it's, it's not enough it, it, it it's not enough we we, we got to get to two uh we have to get to four uh we're in a game seven it, it, easy here boys roll around in it for two hours enjoy your wins and then the next day boom back to business that's a really important part of the playoffs if you're going to go mm-hmm. deep especially year after year
1: uh, absolutely, it is, uh, Brian. This is uh, listen. It's, it's always good catching up with you. We didn't even talk about like tonight's game is a big one. Like the Florida Panthers, who are you know clawing their way to get back yeah. into the conversation now. The uh, the uh, the state rivals. Uh, this should be a good when we've got it on Sportsnet East and Sportsnet Ontario starting at seven o'clock Eastern. I mean, uh, if you got a quick thirty seconds on the Florida Panthers right now, I mean, last year they loaded up and Bill Zito spent you know draft capital and everything and prospect capital to try to get his team deep into the playoffs, they flamed out against the Bolts. Um, do you have a thought on the Panthers right now?
0: I, you know what? I think Zito was right. I know he's taking a lot of heat, and look where they are right now. Boy, it's a slippery slope in the NHL, no doubt. But I think he realized yeah. they didn't have the right mix, Uh, He brought in Paul Maurice. Uh, They made the big trade, of course, and they knew it was going to be uncomfortable in both places, both Calgary and in Florida. It's turned out to be really uncomfortable in Florida. They have not had great goaltending. Barkov has missed some key times. He's hurt again. Doesn't look like he's going to play again tonight. And, boy, when when you're without him, same thing with Bennett. I don't think Bennett's playing tonight either. So their top two centers are out right when they need them the most. Uh, So they've had issues – at different levels trying to come together as a different team has been tough. Then the injuries, guys coming in and out, goaltending being uh, iffy uh, probably at best. It's been a dog fight for them for sure. And they must be, the guys who've been there a couple of years must be thinking, Oh my God, how did we get here? How did we slip? You know, <laughs> like this so far, yeah. so fast, like it's hap- yeah. It's happening and your, your fingernails are going down the chalkboard, you know?
1: It's tough. Uh, It's a tough slog, I I really feel, for the Panthers. Because, to be honest with you, I really wanted this rivalry to be nasty and intense and and carry on for a long time. And that only really happens when there's matchups over and over again.
0: Well, that's that's true. Absolutely. Playoffs do that. But they've done it a couple of times, and it is there. I mean, I love this. And even Paul Maurice said this morning, um, he said, I expect this to be played along the wall. Uh, the addition that they just made, they're sending a message. This one's going to be a little nasty, I'm sure, and that's coming right from the coach. So, that's I good. hope he's right. That's...
1: Yeah, well, we'll be tuned in tonight. Brian, thanks as always for stopping by. Much appreciated.
0: You bet. Anytime. Thank you.
1: There he is, Brian Engblom, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning TV analyst. It is the uh, the Cats and the Bolts tonight, the Battle of Florida. Uh, coming up on the other side, we'll talk to David Poyle, uh, Nashville Presidents, President and General Manager. Stepping down on June 30th, but still lots left on his fastball, C. Tanner Genot deal, and more on the horizon. I'll look back with David Poyle next.
0: Everything Raptors, before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Okay, welcome to Hour 2. I will try to resist as much as I can, staring at my phone, trying to bring you the latest. Um, But as Bart Simpson once said, I'm not going to promise to try. I'm going to try to try. How about that? Uh, Coming up on today's NHL schedule, 10 big games on the go, including the Red Wings and the Ottawa Senators. And again, we're sort of all wondering after the uh, Sens beat the Wings last night, if the Wings lose again tonight, does that change how Steve Eisman feels about his team come trade deadline time? And I think a lot of people are wondering about Tyler Bertuzzi there. Uh, the Battle of Florida will be on Sportsnet East and Ontario. The Tampa Bay Lightning hosting the Florida Panthers. Uh, we're standing by for David Poyle, the uh, the outgoing president and general manager of the Nashville Predators. His Preds are in action this evening against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think a lot of us are wondering what Ron Hextall is looking at doing in advance of trade deadline. I know they've kind of pulled out of the speed wobble a little bit here uh, and won a couple of games. But, man, I think still fresh in a lot of people's memories um, is that game last Thursday against the Edmonton Oilers, where you know a lot of people coming out of that from in and around the Oilers organization were saying, yeah, it was a, it was a nice win, and we were kind of surprised how easy it was ...to pull it off. Ouch! That's a tough one. But, looks like the Pens may have at least started... ...to get things back together. Uh, Also in action this evening... um, ...the uh, Calgary Flames facing off against the Boston Bruins. You can watch that one on Sportsnet 1 West and Pacific. Uh, That was a big win last night by the Boston Bruins. A uh, defeat the Edmonton Oilers' Conor McDavid. Congrats. He picks up goal number 50... ...for the first time in his career. We suspect not the last. And the question becomes... How many goals can Connor McDavid score by the end of the season? Uh, a number of other games on the go around the NHL this evening. Montreal Canadiens and San Jose to face off against the Sharks as well. In the meantime, back on the Nashville page uh, with David Poyle. He is the president and general manager of the Nashville Predators, and he joins me now. David, how are you today? Thanks so much for doing this.
2: I am good, Jeff. Yourself? We're all, all very busy, uh, that is for sure.
1: Yeah, well, and, and that's why I appreciate you taking the time because I know it's, well, you're always busy because, you know, your reputation um, in the industry is you're on top of everything and you're involved in a number of conversations all at the same time. So I really appreciate you taking uh, time right now, you know, as the Nashville Predators, you know, go through something that... You know, you know, we we wondered about going back a couple of seasons when you know UC Saros, you know, strapped the team to his back and said, "No, we're not letting David rebuild here. We're gonna we're gonna head to the to the playoffs." Um, you talked about this on radio a couple of weeks ago. Your thoughts on where your team is at right now and what your job is between now and Friday's deadline of three o'clock Eastern?
2: Well, uh, it's been a little bit of a disappointing year. I, I actually thought that uh, we had a uh, a team that was for sure going to be in the playoffs. And that's, uh, you know, that's on me in terms of, you know, setting the right expectations. And it's obviously a little bit on the players in terms of their performance. Uh, we've been very streaky this year. Uh, there's there's some periods of times where I, I really feel this is the, the team that uh, is, is going to make it to the, to the playoffs. And then there's other times as it doesn't think it's that we're very close at all. Uh, and so we go back and forth, and you know we're not too far out of the playoffs uh, as we speak today. But we have never really gotten above the line. Uh, so you've already seen what we've done a few days ago in trading uh, Niederreiter and trading Jeanneau. Um So uh, I'm happy that we've been able to accomplish those deals. I'm happy with how our our draft looks in the next three years now because we have, you know, we have picks, extra picks now on each of the next three three years. So I, I like that. I like uh, what we have coming in our Milwaukee situation, uh, both today and mm-hmm. say next year. For example, we probably will have four first-round picks playing in Milwaukee. So I think the pipeline and the uh, you know bringing in newer or younger players is is coming. So it's a, it's a little bit of a combination of everything. You know, when you trade players away, it's, it's probably a clear signal to the to the team and maybe the fans that you've uh, given up on the year. But I don't think that's the case as we sit here right right now what always happens in these situations is somebody that either wasn't playing as much or hasn't been given a, a fair opportunity gets to play play more. So we've had Forsberg out, we've had uh, Johansson's been out, uh, Carrier for, yeah. for a while, and I make the two trades. And then we bring in you know, people like Tommy Novak, uh, Cody Glass, Parson, and I'm just saying some younger younger players that uh, you know are just doing better. We're going to play another younger player tonight in our lineup to bring up from Milwaukee. So you just never know exactly uh, where you are. So I, I mean, I've i spoken to our, our, our team and just say they, they only can c- control what they can control. And uh, let's, let's see where we are, are today. And you know, we're playing Pittsburgh tonight, get a win tonight. We're getting closer all the time. So uh, we live a day at a time. And on the other hand, I'm, I'm talking to like every other general manager manager at this time of year, getting up to the trade deadline and you always want to find out values for your for your players and what's available, and I'm, I'm participating in that also. So uh, I can't give you a straight answer today. I'm sorry, there, Jeff.
1: <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, I, I, I know you, you're not going to come on here and tell us exactly what you uh, uh, what you're doing, and I think we all understand that. Um, I, I am curious how. Let me let me see how let me see how I can uh, how I can warm up to you and try to get something here. How um, how close are you? right now to doing something else? Would you say that something is, is imminent? <laughs> uh, you're still a ways away on things. How close is, uh, are, are we to getting a, a press release from the Preds?
2: I am one phone call away from making our next trade. That's how it always happens. Uh, but that other team right. is also talking to three or four other, other teams also. And I can tell you three trades that I haven't made uh, in the past week, uh, that I thought I had a decent chance at making. It's always the it's always the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's why we sit here. And uh, uh, I don't know how busy everybody else is, but I tend to think they're pretty busy. I minimally I've talked to ten GMs today, and it's uh, just about noon here in Nashville. So you, you know there's a lot of things that are, are going on in the in the league for sure.
1: For sure. Um, you know, I, I looked at the Tanner Janot deal, and I think we all looked at the return, and we said, you know, David Boyle hasn't lost anything off his fastball. Like, that's a, and I know, like, you're giving up a really good player. And and part of me looked at that deal, David, and said, I, I wonder how much of a, of a tough one this is for you to make, knowing that, to be blunt, you know, Tanner is a is a Nashville Predators success story. Like he's a, a homegrown player, drafted, developed, you know, some some Calder Trophy love last last season. I know no deal is easy, and I know GMs are supposed to, you know, you know, detach themselves from emotions when you're making a deal. It's just straight business. But was that a tough one to do for you?
2: Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. You're, uh, the, uh, Tanner actually wasn't even drafted, so that's all. That's really good scouting on our right. part, and, you know he's, Played in the East Coast League uh, less than two years ago, and uh, it's, it's a fantastic story. And he's a great young man, and he, you know, he, he plays with a style that is somewhat unique in the league. So, uh, just like you're asking me these other questions, I'm not trying. To, was not trying to trade Tanner's, you know, but I was certainly open to what what people would give for me. I set a very high price. Uh, I, I, I will tell you honestly that I've had more more calls on tanners you know than any other player in my organization so he was very valued i set a high price and um you know tampa bay made the offer that uh, we we accepted uh i think it's a lot it's also really helps i think in terms of what uh accumulating some assets and and, and as i said in the i think the first question now we have extra drafts this year which is graphics picks this year, which is really good and important because we have the draft in Nashville. We have an extra second and uh, 24. we got an extra first and 25. I, 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 I like where we are with the draft. Now, yes, we're going to miss miss Tanner, but uh, as Julian Breezewell for Tampa Bay said, the drafts don't mean anything to to him, and he's got a team that's going to try to win the Stanley Cup again this year. The drafts mean a lot to David Coyle mm-hmm. and the Nashville Predators because we may not even make the playoffs this year. So, Everybody's everybody's happy. I, I think I got fair return for him and um that's uh but I, bottom line I was not really trying to trade tenors, you know.
1: Sure. Um I know the answer is always well Wayne Gretzky got traded, um but uh in your mind do you have untouchables?
2: Not really. I mean I have players at the top of the the, the list that I that would uh, I, I don't think it would make any sense to to trade but no not not really i I mean no. everybody thinks that the the, the managers <laughs> all we do is start trades you know for a good part of the year we don't talk much about trades and it's, it's for me who've been in this business a long time it's actually changed a lot because you're dealing in retention of salary the cap and the cap not going up and, and what have you and I again I'd like to have a team that uh, you know maybe I think you always need to make some change but uh, ideally you know it's Two or three players every every year. I'd like to get in, into that kind of a sink. or heavier. Right now, we're not we're not we're not there. So, as I said to you in this interview, I I'm open to listening on anybody. That doesn't mean I'm going to make the, the trade. I did. I, I didn't think I would be trading Tanner You and I was offering what I thought would be the price that the only price that we'd accept, and we get five five dropicks uh, and uh, Cal Foot. So I I had to do the deal. So you you never you never say never to any anybody, but I can just tell you as a, as a manager, you 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 like to have stability in your in your organization. Right now, with me trading the need writer, and and you know it's less than it's less than having stability that I actually want to have. So you know I got a plan going forward, but it's day to day right now until we get through the trading deadline.
1: Um, I, I want to ask you, know, I'm talking to David Poyle, Nashville Predators uh, President and General Manager. Uh, I want to ask you about you, and there's a few things that uh, I'd like to get into. First of all, um, you're stepping down officially on June the 30th when Barry Trotz uh, officially takes over. Um, I know he's already there and, and working, but that's the the official transition. How long had you been thinking about this?
2: The last uh, you know, couple of years I, I've been thinking about this uh, a little bit. and you know, I'd say uh, at the end of the year, we always have a meeting with ownership and what have you, and uh, they they probably brought it up before I did in terms of the succession plan and what have you, you know, based on you know my age mm-hmm. and uh, all that. So it makes it makes it makes sense. But then last year, uh, after the after the I sat down with my uh, my wife and I said that uh, how I felt about the team and the, the job and about where we were personally in our in our life and children, grandchildren. Uh, what we want to do, and they just felt it was time, and that's when the ball really started uh, rolling was after last season, and then into the summer and fall, and then we have an ownership change coming up with our team. Uh, Herb Fritch is our current uh, yep. majority owner. Uh, he, we're in the process selling, he's in the process to selling; he's the process to Bill Haslam, the former governor of uh, Tennessee. So it's all good. The franchise is in really good shape. Uh, I think it's just getting going to get bigger and better every, every year. So I'm really proud of all of that, but. It just feels uh, going back to hockey. Just feels like it's the, the, the right time. I think, as I said, just a new voice, uh, you know, new new way of doing things, new new direction. Uh, I think everybody knows of my 40-year relationship with uh, Barry Trotz. Uh, if it wasn't Barry Trotz, yeah. we would be we would be holding on to this decision until uh, uh, after the season, and, and we could interview people both inside and outside our organization. But. It's Barry Trots, and I'm really happy for that for Barry, and I'm happy for myself
1: actually, and for our team. Uh, well, listen, you know, now that you know af- after the news broke on on Sunday, um, I mean, I I did, and I think a lot of us, you know, looked back and said, okay, so how do we, you know, how do we contextualize? How do we look at David Poyle's legacy in Nashville? And the one thing, the one thing that I keep coming back to. So I've got I've got two boys that play hockey, and if you would have told. You know, 25-year-old Jeff Merrick that one day I'd be getting emails for, you know, spring and summer tournaments in this youth hockey hotbed of Nashville, Tennessee. I would have laughed at you and said, "Okay, next (laughs) topic. Let's end this conversation. But, you know, I'll look back at your, your legacy in Nashville. And we'll think about you know going to the Stanley Cup and all the you know the individual players that you know you uh, you know you help get to the Hall of Fame to be blunt, um, and some of the successful teams and a lot of the the, the um, you know uh, growing the NHL game in Nashville to a place where it's become one of the boxes that everybody has to check. Like, you have to have the Montreal Canadiens Saturday night seven oh one, you know, Ghosts of the Forum chills and, you know, goosebumps on the... Yeah, everyone has to have that hockey experience. And you have to have the Nashville Predators hockey experience as well. It's one of the most unique in the NHL. But, you know, speaking personally, I'll look at your legacy in Nashville as being someone who... Grew hockey at the grassroots level, at the youth hockey level, started an organization with a blank sheet of paper, and to this day and from here until forever, will be a hockey hotbed for youth hockey and will develop players that get to the NHL and go to the Hall of Fame one day. That's how I look at your legacy in Nashville. How do you look at your time there?
2: Well, first of all, thank you for what you just said and uh, that description. Uh, I can tell you that I'm very proud of my time in, in, in Nashville, and I'm. Uh, I, I had a, I had goals, and I had a vision, and I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. It's, it's turned out probably better than I ever, ever thought. And all the things that you said in terms, in terms of the, that the youth hockey is exploding here. We're getting more, more rinks uh, uh, off the ice. Uh, Predators Foundation and all the things from players to our staff that we do in the community. We're part of the fabric now of. Nashville. I mean, the, the fans and the people here love love the Predators, uh, not only on the ice, but, but off the ice. And then just the vision of, of this being a sold-out building and having, having success and having a non, non-traditional market become a, a hockey market. And, uh, you know, we, we call ourselves Smashville now, and that's it's all around the city that you don't refer to us as a, it's either the Predators or where are you going to? I'm going to Smashville. You know, so it's I'm a builder, I'm a planner, uh, that's my dad was a GM of two expansion teams in Philadelphia and Vancouver. And, yep. uh, uh, you know, I don't know if, what's in your DNA exactly, but I'm totally satisfied and happy with uh, everything that's happened here in, in, in Nashville. So, uh, uh, and it it's a destination. And you're going to play a tournament down here with your, your boys, and you're going to bring your wife and probably some neighbors because you you also – in addition to wanting to watch your boys play, you're going to want to go to one of our games, and and all the other things that come along with an, with a night at, at Smashville before the game and after the game. It's it's fantastic. I, yeah. I'm very grateful. I'm very very lucky. So thank you for
1: bringing that up. Well, listen. Well, I, I say it legitimately, and I'm glad you mentioned your dad as well. You know, one of uh, one of my favorite quotes from your father is, and I think this is uh, this would have been the, before he was uh, managing Philadelphia. Something along the lines of, "Well, I'm not sure how many games we're going to win, but we're sure gonna win our share of fights." And one of the things <laughs> it's funny, interesting, you mentioned. You know, what, what, what's what's in your DNA? And I remember Nashville starting, and for you know the longest time, the Nashville Predators always had a tough guy or a couple of tough players on the team. As a matter of fact, and I always, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, David, I always point at one player specifically. Cause we look at like, you know, perfect seasons from players and oh, you know, Nick Lindstrom was the perfect defenseman and you know, who's, you know, who, who embodies perfection in the NHL. And it's interesting from a tough guy perspective, the one guy that I always point to was a member of your national predators. And there was one year, I think it might've been 2008 Darcy Hortichuk. So you had Darcy Hordichuk, and mm-hmm. one year Darcy Hordechuk had 60 penalty minutes, and he had 12 fighting majors. Every single minute he spent <laughs> in the box was from a fighting major. I said to myself, if you're a tough guy, that's a perfect season. Like what Darcy Hordechuk just did. He didn't. There was no like no trips, no slide. Like he didn't put you guys on the penalty kill once. There was none of that. It was a perfect tough guy season. How much of that, you know, (laughs) poiled DNA in there is there about, I want to have some tough players around this team because the Preds always had one.
2: Well, that's, uh, that's interesting. I've never really been asked that about our, our, our team. I mean, I, uh, uh, I believe in, you know, a lot of things in putting your, your team together. And I think, for the, our expansion years, I mean, you know, you're you're not a, a very very good team, and I I think that the toughness part allows you to remain in some games. And I am being perfectly honest, I think uh, our fans in Smashville, you know, liked a little bit of of, of that. I think that you know yeah. brings gener, gener, uh, energy to your your team, and, um, and it's just, it's funny. I mean, it's, the whole game is always evolving, and uh, you know, fighting is less in the game, and yeah. it's just it's uh, it's hard harder to uh, you know, put your you know to to intimidate other other teams you have so much more talent and skill and all all those things but uh, yeah i i like having a tough team there's no question about that
1: you know there was um when when i look back at your time in in Nashville running the team there's one series that to me was one of the best playoff series i i ever saw En route to the Stanley Cup that series you had against Anaheim like that was must watch television that was high skill uh high pace and rough it was a rock and roll series your building was i mean they're yelling and scream and like from the opening puck drop to the end um that was really something like what what are your memories of that Anaheim series because to me that was i just bluntly that was one of the best playoff series I ever saw
2: yeah, that was a big boys series for for sure, and you know you always look for these uh Moments that you know change your your franchise. I, I also think you know, the absolute thing that stood out for me in that series was that was Rennie being. Whatever. If you didn't think he was a good goalie by then, that was uh, that was a, sort of a defining moment for for Peck, especially uh, in Game Seven where uh, you know we were outplayed a fair bit. We got a couple of goals that Pekka was outstanding, but yeah, it's it's that uh, yeah, that was that was hard. I mean, you get some big boys in that that, that series and. Anaheim always had very, uh, very tough teams. And I was really proud of our guys for standing up to them. And a lot of players grew up in that, that series for us. So you got a great memory there, Jeff. I, I like that. I hope I have that. Oh, was, memory I love that forward. series.
1: <laughs> well, between Darcy Hortuchuk mm-hmm. and the, uh, the Anaheim series, like, yeah. I, like I'll, I'll be, I'll be just perfectly blunt with you too. Like just from a media point of view, like Nashville's always been one of the easiest teams to work with. Like from from day well, one. Nice. Like I, appreciate that. yeah, I appreciate that. expansion, expansion, well, expansion. started with like Bar- Barry. You've, yeah. You've, yeah. I was going to say, sorry. Go ahead.
2: I was going to say it started with uh, Barry Trotz, uh, you know, his first coaching job in the NHL, and uh, you know we always Barry is so accommodating for anybody and everybody, including uh, the media. Like you know, if they press guys, he he would talk to everybody. I mean, uh, it, it, the, the normal story on the on the road would be everybody would be in the bus and we're ready to go You know, to, to the airport or something. Where's Barry? Well, he'd still be talking to a fan. He'd still be talking to a media person. <laughs> and uh, people like Barry uh, got really involved in the community and, you know, charities and things like that. And that's why he's so popular here. And, again, we, we asked our players that, that part of what we need to do here in uh, in Nashville is not all about uh, on the ice. It's the off the ice. and. Doing stuff, and every year our players have been fantastic in that area, and I that's gone a long way to solidify our our uh, our presence here in, in Nashville in this this area and our popularity, I, I should say.
1: Hmm. You know, there's a um there there's a long list. We'll we'll finish on this one. Um, I know you're 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 busy uh, certainly this time of year. Um, there's a there's a long list. I think of people because I mentioned you know how you sort of you know grew this from essentially the root to the fruit. Um, you know, I throw Terry Crisp into this conversation. I throw Pete Weber into this conversation as well. Uh, you mentioned Barry Trotz. Um, as we wrap up here, and I'll let you get on with your your day on your phone, uh, who are some of the people that you think of that, you know, really help lay this foundation of what the Preds are to this day?
2: Yesterday we had a picture of the original uh, people that are left in our organization. I believe it was eight people, so I hope I get this right. Uh, it, it'll, it'll only be it'll only be popular for <laughs> for us, so we'll get a picture <laughs> picture made. So it was it was uh, I'm the original general manager. Barry Trotz was the first coach. Uh, Gary Helper was our first uh, 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 director of communications. Jack Diller was our first president. Brent Peterson was our first assistant coach with Barry. And yeah. Pete uh, yeah. Weber was our first broadcaster, and Terry Crisp was our first uh, uh, color commentator. We had a picture of, uh, and then Pete Rogers was our first equipment manager, and he is still here. So we had a picture of the eight of us uh, yesterday, which I think will be uh, uh, somewhere in a prominent place in, in my, my collection. And uh, that kind of brings it full circle.
1: Uh, it does, and, and it's a perfect place to wrap. Um, I know your sleeves are still rolled up. I know you still have work to do, deadline on the horizon. Thanks so much for, for parking some of your day with me today, David, and, and congratulations on a, on a really wonderful career with the Nashville Predators. Thanks so much for stopping by.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: There he is, David Poyle, uh, Nashville Predators president and general manager, outgoing. Uh, He will officially transition uh, the president and GM titles to Barry Trotz, although Barry Trotz is very much there right now um, and still working. Um, As they mentioned, uh, the Tanner Genot deal and the Nino Niederreiter deal, uh, those are two deals that have already been done by Nashville, more on the horizon. Uh, I think it was interesting that Poyle mentioned he had three already, Um, that he thought were close. Uh, We believe there are more on the horizon. We look at a player like Matthias Ekholm. uh, More of a difficult deal than other ones. Still has term remaining, and the price for that one should be... Uh, pretty interesting to see what comes back there if they're able to get that one over the finish line. Uh, I've talked about Dante Fabro before, um, former first round draft pick of Nashville. Uh, it makes a lot of sense with him and the San Jose Sharks uh, team that's looking, you know, to redo their uh, their prospect pool and their young defensemen uh, on that team. David Quinn coached him at BU. There is some symmetry there. You know, we wonder about other players uh, on that team, like even a player like Ryan McDonough, who they just brought in from Tampa um last season i know that david said that there are no untouchables um but i have a hard time seeing someone like roman yossi being available uh UC saros being available uh, philip forsberg uh, being available but who knows the one thing about like the, the one thing about david poyle is that he's not shy about the big deal right he's not shy about the big trade the pk suban shea weber Right, the Seth Jones, Ryan Johansson, like he's he's pulled off some really big deals uh, in his day. While getting Philip Forsberg from the uh, the Washington Capitals from Martin for Martin Erat, like that was another one um, that he was able to to pull off here. So it'll be interesting to see what Poyle is able to put together and do uh, by the time trade deadline rolls around and how different this team looks um, and what this team looks like next season uh, when Barry trots. Uh, is the full-time general manager of the squad. And we'll see who's behind the bench, too, because there's still that decision uh, that's on the horizon. Does John Hines return uh, next season, or are they looking for a new coach uh, and coaching staff? All these things up for grabs as Barry Trotz takes over uh, officially on July 1st as a new GM of the Nashville Predators. Okay, quick check of my phone to see if there's any more latest. Not right now. Okay, so trade deadline continues or trade deadline week uh, continues. Coming up in a couple of moments, Luke Fox of Sportsnet will get into the uh, the Jake McCabe Sam Lafferty trade from yesterday, um, and what this means now with you know Matt Murray needing to be activated from LTIR uh, at some point. Uh, what do we think the deal will be? Do we think it'll be a Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerfoot? Or are we missing a couple of things here barring injuries? There are more decisions on the horizon for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, We'll get into that with Luke Fox. And I do, again, want to mention a couple of really intriguing games uh, on the schedule later on tonight. Uh, The Tampa Bay Lightning face off against the Florida Panthers. That one is on Sportsnet East and Sportsnet Ontario. I know I mentioned this off the top, but I want to reinforce it. This is a huge one for the Detroit Red Wings tonight. I really believe. It feels like that. Uh, they lost last night to the Ottawa Senators. Senators now five points away from a wild-card spot. With another win against the Wings tonight, the Sens move within three. And the question becomes, what does that mean for Steve Eiserman's team? If they lose two in a row against the Ottawa Senators, what does that mean for Iserman? And does that shake free someone uh, that had been, at least temporarily, taken off the trade market? And that would be Tyler Bertuzzi. And for those wondering if there have been any negotiations on an extension for Tyler Bertuzzi in Detroit, um, I'm told that there has been no discussions for quite some time Uh, between Uptown, who's the agency that represents Tyler Bertuzzi, and Steve Eiserman, general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Also, Los Angeles Kings and the Winnipeg Jets. We look forward to that one. The Preds, thank you to David Poyle for stopping by, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Calgary Flames, and the Boston Bruins. Big one yesterday by the Bruins. You can watch this one on Sportsnet 1 West and Pacific. Uh, The Hawks and the Coyotes... Call that one the Conor Bedard Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the San Jose Sharks, we might want to call that one the Conor Bedard Bowl as well. Uh, some intriguing matchups on the board later on this evening. Luke Fox from Sportsnet. will get on the Toronto Maple Leafs page here in a couple of moments. Uh, thanks to David Poyle for stopping by the show today. Merrick show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network simulcast on Sportsnet 360. Keep it here.
0: The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there, real Kipper and born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Okay, welcome back to the, uh, the program here. Uh, if you missed the news earlier, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi is now a member of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, he goes in a trade today in exchange for Finnish forward Patrick Pistola. Um, it is a one-for-one one deal. Um... And wouldn't it be a trip if Jesse Pugliarvi won the Stanley Cup this season? Because the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, as we've all seen, you know, second, third, fourth, take your pick, uh, best team in the NHL, and we don't think Don Waddell is done just yet. Um, that is a whopper of a deal. It could be turned into a whopper of a deal and a whopper of a steal for the Carolina Hurricanes as well. Listen, I know that Pugliarvi probably was past the point of wearing out his welcome with Edmonton. It wasn't going to work there. Uh, but those that know, know that uh, that Pulley RV has a lot more than he showed in Edmonton. You know, the underlying numbers and underlying metrics all uh, indicating how much of a defensive force he was as a forward, snake bit with the Edmonton Oilers. How many times did you see him slide one through the crease or off the bar? Uh, I wonder if the change of scenery really helps to pop. Uh, yes, to Pugliarvi. And it would surprise exactly no one uh, to see them, uh, to see the Carolina Hurricanes kind of open up that box and allow Yesupoy RV to flourish. Again, wasn't going to work in Edmonton long past that point for a lot of reasons. And there are a lot of people in the media that, you know, treated them like a pinata. I get it. I wonder if Carolina just stole one here. I really, really do. Uh, in the meantime, Luke Fox uh, joining me from Sportsnet. Yesterday, the Toronto Maple Leafs with the trade, Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty. And uh, now the Maple Leafs have given up all the picks. Uh, Luke, how are you today?
0: I'm doing fantastic, Jeff. Uh, yeah, big big news. Uh, our one-off day in Seattle. Kyle Dubas goes out and shakes things up again. So <laughs> these are these are exciting times. And on, i got to say, I mean, he's given up a lot. He's given up a ton. The future yep. may not be bright, you know, four, four years down the road when, when the cupboards are bare. But I, I love the moves. He's upgraded four pieces and he's got four uh, more competitive playoff type players in his lineup. So I like it. I like the fact that, that he's being aggressive
1: right and you know one of the things that we wonder about now as we get ahead of ourselves they, there is at least one more roster move to make here uh as matt murray is on the horizon at some point what do you think of course barring injury what do you think happens here like what, what's in the back of, of Dubas's mind and by the way they still do have one contract slot uh, available 49 of a possible 50 contracts
0: yeah it's really fascinating and they're you know they're practicing here in seattle before they fly to Edmonton for a back-to-back Edmonton and Calgary. And I asked Dubas about this yesterday, like, you know, do you expect Murray to, to come off LTIR? I mean, that was what they said was the plan uh, for, for today, tomorrow, originally. Uh, but it's just not financially possible. So he said, uh, a, "A old friend of mine said, if, if you have time, use it. And I think we all know who that old friend of his is. Uh, Yes, absolutely. So basically he referenced what happened last year at this time, and they were in Nashville right before they made the trade for Mark Giordano. And he said Rasmus Sandin got hurt in that game and was done for the regular season. That opened up a little bit more cap space for us to play with. So basically he's saying that he's going to wait and see if someone gets hurt. If a Maple Leaf gets hurt in these these games against the Alberta teams, which should be very competitive games because the Leafs are playing two teams that are fighting for their playoff lives, playoff positioning, Um, so I think he's going to wait and see before he tips his hand. Um, So you know, if, if, if you know everyone gets through these two games unscathed and Murray's ready to go and come off LTIR. Um, you start looking at names and it would just be pure speculation. But with the, the addition of, of forwards, um, you have to wonder about the the security of, of guys like Pierre Engvall and Alexander Kirkfoot who are in the final years of their deal. Um, I'm sure if, if forced to, um, he could find a landing spot for a player like that. But what I would say is that Kyle Dubas has gone out of his way in making these two significant trades to not subtract from the roster I mean you know Joey Anderson when everyone's healthy he's a Marley like from this yep. his NHL roster yep. he's gone out of his way not to subtract anybody's that's been a priority of his so he's using these two games to see where they're at before he he's forced to subtract from his roster
1: so uh, I'll be honest with you Luke the first thing that I thought of yesterday um, when I found this out was okay if I am the Toronto Maple Leafs like if I'm Sheldon Keefe And you've just added Jake McCabe to the mix. Uh, I know there's a lot of NHL defensemen there with the Maple Leafs. And that's, you know, if you're a team that wants to go on a long Stanley Cup playoff run, you're going to need a lot of NHL defensemen. So I I get that. My first thought was, if you're Sheldon Keefe, are you going to Mark Shordano and saying, Okay let's talk about where we're gonna rest let's talk about how we're gonna have you fresh for the start of the playoffs because as much as jordano wants to play 20 minutes a night for the remainder of the season as much as he wants to practice every single day i know he's a creature of routine you know there is a very practical issue here of being healthy for the playoffs do you think they've either already had that conversation or are about to have the conversation with Giordano, who at 39 years old still looks real good and has a lot of hockey left in him, um, You know, have that conversation about resting him at key times. I know that load management is a nasty term that nobody likes to talk about, but it's a real thing in pro sports. Now that they have another defenseman, do you think they have that conversation?
0: Well, they've already had that conversation for sure. And when they, whenever they have that conversation... Giordano says, no, I want to play. I feel like it's harder to get the engine up and running if I take too much time off. Like It's kind of become a, a little bit of a joke around us beat reporters that mm-hmm. after every optional morning skate, the only guy we talk to is Giordano because he's the only regular that never misses an optional morning skate. He doesn't even take the, the practices off, let alone games. Um, he absolutely loves it. He feels that that's what he needs to keep his his body in top condition. So if he does miss a game, he's the only Leafs defenseman who hasn't missed a game yet, either by healthy scratch or unhealthy scratch. If he does miss a game, I think it will be because it's not his choice. And they say, we really want you to sit out this one half of the back-to-back or or what have you. But I think there's a way here. He's been logging way too many minutes. For for a 39 year old who has the the wear and tear and all the and all the bruises and shot blocks that he's absorbed over the years, right? But you bring yeah. in a left a left side guy like McCabe who can also play a little right too, um, and I think that just slots Giordano down. I think his minutes will get easier and they'll decrease um, by adding a top a guy who can eat up top four minutes. So maybe. The way you you rest him is just by not playing him as much. They've been leaning on this guy so hard. Uh, you know, Sheldon Keith uh, has been screaming for another guy who can play responsible in his own zone. I mean, basically, they got they got Brody and, and Geo and, and Justin Hall to some extent that that are the, the reliable guys, and now you have another guy that's going to prioritize defending over jumping up in the rush. And I think that alone will, will keep Gio's minutes down a little bit.
1: Do you think they do anything with Justin Hall here? I mean, he's been a flashpoint for a while. I know we, you know, look up front um, specifically and wonder about Engvall and Kerfoot. What about Justin Hall?
0: I think he stays. Um, I, I think he's, he's valued by Sheldon Keefe. And um, to some extent, Dubas, more than uh, a, a segment of the fan base, a vocal segment of the fan base, values him. He, he does a lot of things on the right side that not a lot of Leafs, Leafs defenders do. Um, kills penalties. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think he, I think he's underrated, and especially when you look at his price point, the fact that he's only two million. Bucks on the cap. I, I I think they've gotten good value out of him, and and they have for years. He's very well liked in the room. The coach likes him more than the fan base likes him. Put it that way. And I, I you need defensive depth. You need defensive depth. They're not trying to win one round. I know that's that's kind of the focal point the last few years is just win one round. But they're trying to win four. And you talk to any team that goes on a deep run, you're you're getting into your eighth defenseman, maybe ninth defenseman at that point. So uh, I think it would yeah. be foolish to get rid of him. I think if you if you have to shed, I think it has to be from the forwards because you've upgraded um, three forward positions.
1: You know, I know that this trade was not a direct result of what Tampa did because the timelines of how things went down don't match up. But um, how much do you think... The Maple Leafs look at this, you know, McCabe-Lafferty deal and have said, you know, previously, we know we're facing Tampa. We know they're going to add. I thought, and I think a lot of us, and I remember I talked to one team on Saturday who thought for sure he was going to end up in Tampa. I think a lot of us wondered about Garnet Hathaway. Would he end up as a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning? The Bruins swoop in and grab him and Orloff. How much of this McCabe-Lafferty deal is made with the idea that you know, McCabe's great, 5-on-5, five five, killing penalties, Lafferty's good in and around the net. How much of what Dubas has done should we look into the fact that they're playing Tampa in the first round? And as much as they'd like to think about a long run, and, you know, Boston's on the horizon too, they need to get by Tampa. Does that fuel many, any, or none of Dubis's decisions?
0: Well, it, do, it does for sure. I mean, the, the East is gone, gone bananas right now. Like Jeff, do you, re, do, do you, do you remember yeah. uh, God, Like I can't remember a year where one conference has been so aggressive like compared, no. compared to the other conference. Like, no, it, it's, it's crazy. Like I, I mean, I love it. it it's thrilling, but I, I cannot remember a year like this. So yeah, I, I think, I think two things can be true, right? Like he is, loading up because he sees Tampa and Boston loading up and Boston's loading up because they see Toronto loading up and the Rangers loading up. All this all this can be true, but also this particular deal that went down yesterday has been in the works for a while. That that's also true. Like he wanted to make his team better and more competitive. He's realized that the Leafs have lost the special teams battle, so he's adding guys who can help out on the PK. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly can contribute to the the second unit power play, and, and if it's sluggish, I, you, you could see him jumping into the first at some point. Um, and the other thing is, the they've lost the bottom six battle when they've butted heads with with the likes of Boston and Tampa. Uh, I think that was a major area yeah. where they weren't getting enough secondary scoring. Yes, of course, if the Leafs are gonna you know do what they're they're trying to do and win four rounds, it's going to be on on the strength of the, the big four up front, but with when they get in those soft matchups or when you're you're getting facing Anthony Sorelli um on away ice and, and he's doing an excellent job yeah. limiting Matthews chances, you need a goal. Um and that's where Nick Paul came through for for the Lightning last season. They're hoping Sam Lafferty or or Noah with the brand of hockey that they play, the fact that they're not afraid to drive the net they're not afraid, afraid to get the greasy one. You know, Pierre Engel, yeah. Alexander Kerfoot, they were not producing in those series. So uh, I think they have a better chance to score that, you know, playoff type dirty mm. rebound goal, whatever it is, off the, the side of the pants. Mm. Um, so so I, I think absolutely there's an element of the type of guys they brought in were tailor-made to survive the Atlantic, which is just, uh, you know, <laughs> just superpowers in that division right now.
1: I'm going to throw a name out at you, and I want you just to say whatever comes to your mind right away, maybe just in the context of him playing right now or him in the context of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Matthew Nyes.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. And uh, I absolutely think he's going to get a shot. But the thing is, the whole reason why he stayed another year is because he wants to win a national championship. And you look yeah. at the schedule, and so if if the Gophers go that far, we're talking a week into April. By the time he's done his his college, and then all of a sudden, if he signs, which you know that they're not, it's it's no guarantee. But all signs are are pointing that like there's no reason to worry that he won't sign. But he still isn't signed to the Leafs. So he gets that paperwork done, comes and and joins the Maple Leafs. Not only jumping into the NHL, but one of the, his first games could be against the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa. That's one of the last games on the Leafs' regular season schedule, and yeah. who knows where we're where we are at that point? That could be a really important game that's for home ice. So, it, it, it's going to be crazy to make that leap from from college right into not only the pros, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you're expected to to make an impact. In one of the, the most heated situations, under the, the biggest microscope, and then all of a sudden you're in the playoffs, if, if you can stick, if you can you know sell Sheldon Keith that you deserve a, a job in, in that game one roster. So it's going to be a fascinating storyline. I know these fans are like salivating over this guy because he looks fantastic <laughs> at the level he's, he, at the level he's at, yeah. but the, the jump yeah. is huge, and Dubas is going out of his way when he talks to us to temper expectations because he doesn't want to put any undue pressure on this kid, but you can't avoid it in this market.
1: At the at the same time, like I think a lot of like I I, I I think a lot of Maple Leafs fans, you know, even going back to the Ryan O'Reilly trade, were thinking like if if you hear like, okay, Ryan O'Reilly is going to the Toronto Maple Leafs, one of the first things you're thinking of is, did that does that mean they gave up Matthew Nye's? And mm. most recent, like uh, in, any deal that they do, like Dubas is going out of his way to trade and make available everything. This is how it seems from the outside. It seems he's, go- he's going out of his way to make sure he's making things available that aren't called Matthew Nyes. Feel that way to you?
0: 100%. And I think that's why he got Jake McCabe and didn't get uh, Matthias Eckholm or Jacob Chickren, Because I think if he added Chickren mm-hmm. or Eckholm that would have cost him nice. So uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think he's going out of his way to build the best possible team while protecting his number one prospect, because outside of Matthew Knights, who who in the leaf system do you feel is absolutely going to be an impact on each other? You know, you hope Fraser Minton uh, is are, in, in uh, what I, three years, Yeah, but, but it's yeah. thin, it, it's nice and it's, it's the rest. Like, so, uh, you know, It's it's easier to trade first-round picks who don't have a face and a name than a guy that you've already started um, working with development-wise, that you're high on, that the fan base has has grown an attachment to, even from a distance. Um, The nameless first-rounders, they can go out the door. But, yeah, he's gone out of his way to protect Matthew Nye's.
1: Luke, last question. Um, Just a general one. Uh, of all the non maple leaf teams involved right now in trade deadline, who's the most interesting one for you
0: uh the the rain you mean well what they've done so far and what they're about to do the rangers for sure they, yeah. they, well, they're five, we're they're waiting fast. for
1: five o'clock eastern we're waiting for five yeah. o'clock
0: yeah they, they they're really fascinating to me and i'm i'm if i'm a carolina hurricanes fan i'm a little bit worried. Because I, I wonder if, if you missed the boat, if you were a little too careful and you watched guys mm. in your division load up. I know they got Pugliarvi, but Pugliarvi is not Tarasenko. He is not Patrick Kane.
1: I, you know, you what? Know, my personal, again, this is just a theory. This is just an idea. I, And that's why tonight's Calgary-Boston game is a big one. I wonder if their big move is maybe something with Calgary. I mm-hmm. really, really wonder about that. I if Calgary loses tonight, they look like they're a they're a stunned team at how the season has gone. This was not the plan. True Living has made deals with the Carolina Hurricanes before. I wonder if the big one for Carolina could be in Calgary. We'll see. Um this has been great. Luke, thanks so much for this. Uh as always. Um thanks for the insight. Thanks for your time as well. You'll be good. Yeah. Have a good one, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. There is Luke Fox from uh, Sportsnet.ca uh, covering the Toronto beliefs Leafs, uh, the Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty deal, the most recent one for Kyle Dubas. Thanks to Luke for stopping by. Thanks to David Poyle of the uh, Nashville Predators uh, for stopping by, president and GM of that team for now. He hands those duties over officially to Barry Trotz uh, on July the 1st. He steps down on June 30th, although Trotz is there right now working alongside David Poyle to make deals. As Poyle said when I talked to him, Uh, About 45 minutes ago, I've talked to 10 general managers so far today. Uh, Thanks to Brian Engblom, Lightning TV analyst, and Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night and 32 Thoughts. Um, And thanks to Jen Rolnick, camera operator, technical operator, Lance Kennedy, our producer, Matt Marchese. Thanks to you for listening and watching Trade Deadline Week continues uh, here on the station across the radio network. On TV, tonight, online, you name it. Merrick's show returns tomorrow at noon. Join me then.